0: Thank you, Tanner, and praise team. Good morning. I don't know when I. I don't know what makes me more nervous is to share the, the teaching on Sunday morning when Barrett is here or when he's not here. I, I don't know, but uh, he's he's not here today, so we'll go from that. I'm going to ask you just outright. Uh, any of you uh, want to admit that you made some New Year? Resolutions. Who, who, who made some New Year? Really? <laughs> oh, I see this this one. <laughs> right here again. Yeah. yeah, I did. I, I I haven't done that in a while. I haven't done that in a while. But I I made two New Year's resolutions. One was to avoid preoccupation. That that's important for me more and more. That I just be present where I am and not be trying to be everywhere else, somewhere that I'm not physically. That can get me in trouble. Also, to avoid uh, multitasking, (laughs) I keep reading these uh, things that says multitasking make you make just makes you stupid. (laughs) I don't need that. So, those are my, my two New Year resolutions, and I shared them right off the bat with, with Paula, and she's doing a really good job of helping me with those resolutions. So, there is a, a verse that sometimes we'll go to uh, in, in Psalm, Psalm ninety twelve 12, that um, it says, uh, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we might get... A uh, heart of wisdom, and that's a that's a great um, it's a great standalone verse for that very purpose. They're, they're just that, in and of itself, because indeed, life should be lived so that people become wise as God intends us to be, and He's the only one that can teach us to really plan and live our lives in a manner that gives us the full measure of wisdom. But I uh, I don't think we get the full impact of that verse unless we look at the whole Psalm. So I, I wanna, that's where I want to teach from today is Psalm 90. It's interesting that in those times that I'm not coming alongside of maybe a series like we did with the John series, and I was able to teach John 15 and the... Uh, setting Free uh, series, but when I kind of have to choose my own standalone message, I I have noticed that I just go to the Psalms, and I, I really kind of caught myself this time wondering what what's going on with that. Uh, obviously, it is a, a default of mine, and I, I think I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Is that the Psalms really is a running account of the continuing encounter of God and man. It's just that heartfelt, transparent interaction of God and man. And um, In fact, the first, the first words of the first Psalm is, um, Blessed is the man. And then the last words of the last Psalm is, Praise the Lord. It's like those two are bookends. Or parentheses to the whole aspect of, of the Psalms, and if, have, have you ever thoughts been thinking something in your mind, or something's kind of stirring in your heart, and um, you go and you read something, or somebody gets up and shares something, and you go, "That's what I'm trying to say." Is that that's what I'm that's what I'm feeling? That's what I'm. Thinking they they articulated in such a way that you go that that's what's in my heart. The Psalms do the Psalms do that for us. They do that. Not only do we meet God, we meet ourselves. We meet ourselves in the Psalms, and uh, it's a it's an incredible experience of um, being. Excuse me, I, I, I pushed something and then everything went away, so I panicked a little bit. So. <laughs> it's where we can learn how to encounter God and then also know what to expect from that. And that's no truer than in Psalm 90. That's what I want to share with you today. That psalm 90, it's, it's a psalm written by Moses. You know, we we kind of associate the Psalms always with David, and he wrote a bunch of them, but not all of them. And this one was written by Moses. That makes it the oldest Psalm, literally makes it the oldest Psalm. And we're not real sure. There's no way to know this side of heaven, when he wrote that. There's a couple of probable places or possible places. One is when, you know, the people are, hear the report of the spies and they tell them, 10 of them say they're giants and we can't go in and take them and everybody believes the report of the 10 and not of Joshua and Caleb and they refuse to go in and disobey God and trust him and as a result of that, God's wrath, God's punishment The consequence of that disobedience was they were not going to get to go in to the promised land. That generation was just going to have to die off before the people of God went in. That's a hard time. Think about Moses hearing that, dealing with that. Very well could have penned or started sharing this psalm in reflection of what to anticipate. Because of that, because of that journey, the hardness of that, the difficulty of that. I'm almost of of the mind, though, I think it came later. I think it came toward the end of the 40 days. He has seen, so that generation began to die off. He has been told. Because he disobeyed God in striking the rock for water instead of speaking to the rock and being trusting in God that he's not going in. There, this psalm has huge emotion. And I think it's, it's, it's in this reflection of where he's looking back to what has transpired and what he has seen. In, 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 in Numbers 26, we know that all the men over 20 who refused to obey God and go into the promised land totaled 600,000. And they were told they would not enter the promised land. They would die in the wilderness. Now that means that Moses spent 40 years watching one million funerals. When you think about the men over 20 and their wives. That's literally 70 per day about 3 each hour. That's heavy. That is that is a heavy load to carry. And so as I read this, this psalm I, I want you to feel that emotion. Now there is some hope. <laughs> uh, we're not going to stay in that and there is some new beginning but we can't appreciate the hope and the new beginning until we feel and experience what Moses did so let me read uh, the Psalm 90 a prayer of Moses the man of God the man of God Lord you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday. When it is past, or as a watch in the night, to sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass which is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are gone soon and we fly away. glad all our days make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen evil let your work be shown to your servants and your your glorious power to their children let the favor of the lord our god be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us yes Establish the work of our hands. We can see the elements of Psalm 90 kind of fall in three places. There is a confession that we'll look at. There is a lament. And there's a petition. The main point today that I want to just share with you and just kind of emphasize is that our limited troubled days Make it imperative. We learn to use our time wisely and urgently seek God's compassion, forgiveness, and purpose for our lives. I call this uh, teaching um, living daily with eternal urgency. And that's kind of an odd combination, and I hope to unpack that a little bit. But living daily with eternal urgency but in our limited troubled days, it is imperative we learn to use our time wisely, count the days, count our times, and urgently seek God's compassion, forgiveness, and purpose for our lives. It is paramount that we urgently move into desperate dependence in our Lord. So let's look at the confession first. A, a, it's really a confession of faith, and and the first two verses, he sets the framework for the whole psalm. If we got to the lament first, it would be a hard place. It would be a hopeless place. It would be it would be a place of 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 of, of no direction or no comfort. He start, He doesn't start with lament. He starts with the confession. And the confession is that God has ever been our refuge. You see, He's always been. And He's always been our refuge. That that term refuge there really has the sense of He's been our home. You could even go so far and say He's been our den of the home. He's been that intimate place where we live. That's where he abides. That's where he shows up. No matter what is happening in our lives, no matter what consequences we bring upon ourselves in disobedience to God, God has always been and will be our refuge. He's not going anywhere. And so he begins with that, with that confession so before the mountains were born and before he made the earth and the inhabited world and indeed from eternity to eternity, the Lord alone was and remains God, our refuge. In Exodus 3, 13 through 14, we see Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush. And God saying, you're going to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and they're having this argument about that, and, and, and one of the things he, he asked um, God in the midst of that, really trying to kind of get out of it, he, he says, um, well, okay, then if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What I shall say? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, "I am who I am." And He said, "Say this to the people of Israel: I am has sent me to you." Well, when I when I was in biblical studies in seminary, I uh, I did a, I, I did some study in learning Hebrew enough to where I could take a course in Exodus. And studied the Hebrew text. Now I was a lot smarter back then than I am now. <laughs> My research paper was on this text. What I didn't know before I started studying Hebrew is that there is no um, tense in the verbs of Hebrew. You don't conjugate verbs in Hebrew. Context determines tense in Hebrew, which makes it interesting sometimes. And, And the more I looked into this, there was nothing to say that that said, I am who I am. That's how we understand it. That's where I landed to believe that it encompassed everything, but it could just as easily have said, I will be who I've always been. That came alive to me. That came alive to me. I am is being now and and will always be who I've always been. God is always there. And he is always our refuge. And that's the confession here. That's what the psalmist is declaring. So we can't miss that. And we've got to lay our foundation on that then he moves to the lament Exodus 3 I mean uh, excuse me um, Psalm 93 through 6 and he declares a couple of realities in this lament now keep in mind where Moses may be in this place, he is seeing the consequence and the death of this, this whole generation. And we'll get at this in a moment, but I want to go ahead and point you to this. It, it became more... I became more aware of something in the midst of studying this than I really had given consideration to. Generally, all our attention, or at least mine, has been on those who didn't go in. What they suffered as the consequence of their disobedience, they didn't go in. But there's another generation coming up that is being poised to go to the promised land. Can't miss that either. Moses is not just looking at those who have died and passed on. And in sharing this, he's not just thinking about those that are gone. He's thinking about those who are coming up and moving in. Going to a place and time the previous generation won't go to but knowing how important it is to prepare them and to pour into them. So this is not a lament just to grieve. It is a lament to get the attention of this emerging generation that's going in. They need to pay attention to a couple of things. So in the lament, he says life is short. Essentially, he's saying life is short. Don't waste it. Life is short. I couldn't find the picture, but I, I really kind of wanted to, to show you the picture. Um, generationally, for me, one of the things that I remember to pick in a picture that I have somewhere. <laughs> We've moved a couple of years ago. I don't know where that picture is. But it's, it's, it's my granddad. My dad, me, and then my son. It's the four generations of, of guys here, males, generation. Here's, here's my granddad, my dad, and here I am, and there's my son. Well, granddad passed away, and we all moved up. My son adopted a son, and we had the four generations, but I'm in a different seat. Six years ago, my dad passed away, went to to heaven, and we moved up again, or I did. And it, it hit me one day. Over here, I was looking at the patriarch, if you would. Now, I am in that seat, and that got my attention. Now, granddad and dad lived to a ripe old age. They were in their late 80s, so I'm not panicking about that. I just had my physical. <laughs> I got good numbers. <laughs> I did. I did have an. I did have a doctor's appointment with the. What do you call the gas? Help me out here, gastrologist. <laughs> that doctor that looks you know inside right here, and and, and he's just watching me. It was a follow up. But he, you know, he did this heart check thing, and he stayed for a long time on my chest with a stethoscope. And then he said, um, "You seem to have an irregular heartbeat." I went, "Oh." <laughs> he said, "Have you been feeling any kind of flutter or anything?" I said, "No." Thanks a lot. I not not till now. <laughs> I I tend to take things to an extreme, just ask Paula. I can get <laughs> hypochondriac really quickly. So I went to my physical about a month later. I said, Well I'm gonna go see my doctor with the physical, so I'll I'll tell her about it. We'll check it out. And so I she comes in, she does all the tests, do the eKG, she's doing this and that. And I said, Well, uh Tina, did did Dr. Michaels tell you about my irregular heartbeat? And she said, yeah, don't worry about it. You you don't have an irregular. EKG was great. you run and you exercise. You have a steady, good, uh, low um, heart rate, heart pace. Your, your heart just doesn't need to beat all the time. I don't know what, there's a word for that, but the, it, it just doesn't always need to beat. So I literally went in to see her feeling like i was going to get a death sentence and i left with a swag you know <laughs> <laughs> but the truth of the matter is life is short In the span of eternity, we're just a dot. We're just a dot. In fact, the psalmist says, For God, a thousand years is as yesterday just passed. I can't even remember yesterday, but it's gone. And for God, that's like, that's a thousand years. It's like the night watch. That's just a portion of the night. And that's what our life is like. Now, I don't say that to depress us <laughs> or discourage us. Remember what he started with? God is our refuge. God is our refuge. God is present, and he engages us within eternity. He meets us where we are in this span of time, in this dot of time. God is Present and with us, and is our refuge. He cares that much. He's that personal. I mean, he was here before anything, but he's that personal and he cares for us. But life is short, so we need to pay attention to that. And we need to let that create a sense of urgency for us about how we live. He also says that we live in a broken world and we are broken. Now, by that I mean we are living in a fallen world from sin. We see that every day. We encounter that through means of news reports, um, social media, anything just personal experience we run into that all the time we live in a fallen world we're in a broken world but we're also broken because of our own choices and our own decisions for the bible says in romans and paul says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god what what he's talking about here in verses 7 through 11 is that there is the wrath of God that we must recognize, that we must acknowledge. You see, when when we disobey God, when there's sin, the wrath is baked into that. It's not God over here trying to cast thunderbolts into our lives. It's built in. The wrath of God is built into disobedience. We experience that as the spiritual and natural consequence of our actions. That's what Moses was seeing with that generation. He was seeing that generation of people who had disobeyed God experiencing the spiritual and natural consequences of that disobedience. They weren't going in to the promised land. God was still their refuge. They still lived life, and God was still their refuge. They had children to invest in. And sometimes generationally, we have an opportunity to speak into another generation or those coming behind us out of our acknowledgement and transparency of falling short. Maybe we, are, we have encountered some limitation or we've encountered some things that we know is not going to be ours to have because of our choices and our disobedience. But God is still our refuge and he finds a way to bring purpose and life to us. But we have the opportunity to use that to encourage and support others who are coming up behind us. Every one of us, at whatever place we are, have the opportunity to consider the judgment of God so that we will move to the grace of God. It is not undeserved judgment. This um, this span of time, in fact, if, um who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? That is not undeserved. God has laid out their iniquities and our iniquities in front of himself. The psalmist goes on and says, even puts the light, his light upon our hidden sin. God takes sin seriously and we should too. We should too. He knows us. I'll probably get in trouble for this, but um, Barrett has the unique discipline slash gift of of sustained eye contact. <laughs> Have you noticed? <laughs> I love it. I mean, he's there with you. It doesn't matter where you move, you, you don't get away. <laughs> and not only is he able to do that face-to-face, but he does that in, in, the, in the body when he's teaching. He'll glance over here. And I know every one of us are thinking he's looking straight at me. <laughs> My grandkids... Two of my grandgirls who've come from time to time. The first time they came, and we had a great time of worship. We went out, and I asked Abby. I said, "Abby, what'd you think? What'd you think of what'd you think of Barrett?" And she said, "Paul, he looks into your soul." If he doesn't hear this podcast, don't tell him (laughs) that I've talked about him. God does indeed look into our soul. There is not a thing we hide from him. Not a thing. And that which we're trying to hide the most, he shines the brightest light upon. Not so he can be mean. Not so that he can bring great harm upon us. So that he would bring life to us. Because that sin is killing us. That sin is killing us. And his light brings life. But those are the laments of the psalmist. That life is short and we live in a broken world, and we are broken. So there's the petition. And this will go fairly quickly. The petition, I see it as one. We couldn't make the case there's three, but I really see it as one, and the other two is an extension of the one. And that one petition is Psalm ninety twelve. Teach us to number our days for a heart of wisdom. It's like out of the lament with the assurance of him being our refuge Moses says not only for his own sake but for the sake of those who are still present in this generation and those who are moving in to the promised land and this by the way was a psalm of worship so this is something they shared over and over and over again and they were being reminded that because God is our refuge and because life is short and because we see the wrath of God when we disobey, lead us, O Lord. Teach us, O Lord, to number our days for a heart of wisdom that we might focus on the very thing that will bring maximum obedience and impact. Paul said it another way in Ephesians 5. He said, be very careful how you live, but as not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Number your days means grab a hold, be attentive, don't waste the opportunity. That's what he's saying. So it leads to two eternal expressions, two, two expressions of what I have call eternal urgencies. It's not an urgency that we all of a sudden decide in a panic, we got to do something. That's not the urgency here. Or it's a list that we got to check off. We, we can do that, but it gets us in trouble. That's not the urgency. The urgency is in verses 13 through 15. First of all, urgently seek God's compassion. Out of all that we've acknowledged, just lean in and move into the compassion of God. He leads his people to petition the Lord to make them joyful as many days as they have been sad. It's an interesting thing here. He said, Lord, please give us the same proportion of blessing that we've had of suffering. And sadness. That's an amazing image. First of all, it says that consequence, that wrath, that residue doesn't go away. It's just covered up, or grace comes up alongside of it. Sometimes we deceive ourselves and think, I thought that was over, I thought that was gone. And it surprises us. The struggles that we've had will surprise us. I can can talk with you about those things that, that continue to be in the back of my mind because of decisions and actions in a previous day. that that doesn't go away. But when you move into the grace of God, it proportionately neutralizes that. And I don't understand all that. But I think it's important to know that His grace and power Brings that growth and wholeness and healing even though we still feel some of the residue and some of the pain and some of the suffering. And so the urgency isn't our trying to somehow push all that aside. The urgency is to move into his grace so he will push it aside. That's the urgency. And he says, beg for that. Be diligent for that. So urgently move into the grace of God as you count your days. And then the last one is urgently know God's work. Um, There in the 16th and 17th verse. The 16th verse he says, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. What he's not doing is saying, God I want to do this so please come along and bless this. That's not the urgency. The urgency is is to see what God is doing and where he is working and join him. Be compelled by his work, by his activity. Be in tune with him to know where to join him. Not try to venture off into something that is of our doing and then ask him to bless it. It doesn't work that way. The urgency is to move into where he is working. And I look at I look at all of you, and y'all, y'all, y'all are in. So many places of impact and influence, and I, if you're at school, if you're at the hospital, you're at work, you're not. Whatever venue you are in, at home in a community, God is at work there. He is actively working, and he's compelling, and he's calling, and the urgency is in His grace to know how to join Him how to work in with relating to His work so that it will be affirmed. That's how it's affirmed because we've joined Him in His work. And how do we do that? Well, we can know His work as we abide in Him and dwell in His word and live in covenant community. I'm I'm so much grateful for the opportunity to come alongside of different ones to have our small group to get together I am so grateful for that because it is in that covenant community that as we dwell in his word and we abide in his life that God begins to speak and show and encourage and I don't think he does that with us alone. I don't think he calls out long, long rangers. I think when God is speaking to one, he is speaking to others and he brings that to bear and gives us opportunity. And that's what I'm calling you for today, that you would see the opportunity to urgently move in to his grace. Urgently move into where he's working. That's not a New Year's resolution. That's living daily with eternal urgency. Start with Christ. If you don't have that relationship, there'll be prayer counselors here to help you. I'm up front and be glad to talk with you about that. But if you need to prayer for support just need somebody to share with we're here for you let us go to him